What's up, everybody? Welcome to PSI Love You XOXO, episode 22. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the pride of Long Island, Colin Moriarty. It's good to be here with you today. It's good to be here with you today. You got a dusty laptop there. Yeah, the problem? got some fingerprints on it. Got some fingerprints on it? Yeah. You still got that sweet-ass Dredge sticker, though. I do. Thank you. Has anyone from Dredge commented publicly about this sticker? No, they haven't. No one's publicly commented. Dredge, get your shit together, you sons of bitches. They're busy. Are they? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> What have you been playing, Colin? Uh, what have I been playing? Uh, Firewatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, played that one night last week. Beat it. Of course. Um, our review discussion up on YouTube.com slash kind of funny games, but no spoilers. Yay or nay. What'd you think? It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I was reading reviews today. Um, Real positive. Not really. I mean, the game's got like an eight on yeah. Metacritic. So, I mean, that's that's great. But it, a lot of people are giving it sixes and sevens, which is mm-hmm. more. I, didn't see I, think, this I morning. think six is I saw more of the IGNs, the polygons than today. Yeah. GameSpot gave it a seven. Gotcha. I think Push Square gave it a six and stuff like that. So I think that was reflected um, in our discussion, right? There's like this hodgepodge of opinions of it. Kevin loves it. Absolutely. And then it's from there. It kind of goes down. Yeah, I think it's I think it's uh, it's a great idea for a game i think it's worth playing it's only 20 dollars. it's really not 20 dollars is really not a lot of money at all yeah um so and it only takes a night so it's not gonna like suck up your time yeah um you know three four hours you're done with it, you never have to play it again uh but i think it's uh the story's somewhat incoherent and mm-hmm. i think people will either understand what i mean by that or not but i mean it's 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 gonna be based on how you interpret the game and stuff like that but, sure yeah but people should go watch the review. I enjoyed it. Didn't live up to my expectations is my summary. I still think people should play it. Uh, I, I think that, like I said in the review discussion, right, I think the best part about this is, is that we all have, we all took something different from it. It's a very right. personal game, I feel like, when you go through and play and make these choices and then sure. that, you know, resonates or doesn't resonate in how you interpret the characters and what their relationship is. I like that. It was like, this is the first review discussion I feel like we've done where it felt like a book club, where we all had something different about motivations, characters, how this all works. Sure. Whereas before, I mean, like, you mean Steinberg did fall out and it was like, we enjoyed or, or didn't enjoy things to different extents, but it wasn't like we took something from this game or it took something from us. Sure. Yeah. Other than that, I, um, I haven't really been playing anything. I mean, what did I play? I mean, I've been, I, I downloaded lost dimension on Vita, but I never really messed around with it. Yeah. been playing a little bit of Tetris on PS4. Mm-hmm. As um, you do. Yeah. Uh, online off. Fun. So it's broken. Yeah, exactly. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, like since the last episode, I mean, I really only played Firewatch. I think. Yeah, yeah, I did Firewatch. I've been, I've been tinkering around with the uh, Minecraft again. I like, I like that on the Vita. Mm. Just something to chill out with. Mm. I played a bit of The Witness a little bit more. It's one of those like a game I'll chip away at. Maybe I don't know. Very pretty. The puzzles aren't insane. Where I am right now, early on, there is that sense when I figured out of accomplishment. But I don't know if I'm drawn back to it. Yeah, I, don't know. Really yeah, not I have no, desi- I have no desire to play it. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I like the world. Beautiful, peaceful. That's good. Cool. Got that going for it. Great. Good. Good, great, grand. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy your Super Bowl? I did. Did you? Yeah. What game. did you do? You didn't go to you didn't go to Tyrese. Where'd you go? Uh Aaron and uh her cousin were not feeling well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they got each other like sick just being in the proximity of each other. Sure, for a that's while. how it goes. Um so we just like kept it low key and went to like some small bar that was like not that crowded. It was nice. We nice. Just, I just sat at the bar for four or five hours and just ate and drank. Uh, game was good, good outcome. Yeah, so I wouldn't mind if the Panthers won, but of course, yeah, yeah Peyton's gonna retire. Yeah, now Peyton's certainly. I mean, they did ask him. You know, he said he has to reflect yeah, on he's things. But drink hopefully, some beer. he's smart enough. Yeah, he's gonna drink some Budweiser and whatever the fuck he said, Bud Light. And uh, yeah, he's got some things to think about, but I don't know what there is to think about. He should get out while the going's good. Get just out, like, Peyton just Manning, like, just like Elway. Ladies and gentlemen, before we get into PS, I love you, XOXO, which of course is kind of funny playstation podcast of course is the number one playstation podcast on the internet and of course it posts every tuesday 
at 9 a.m. Pacific time on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and podcast services around the world. I have housekeeping items for you. Number one, the Baker's Dozen t-shirt is t-shirt Tuesday this week. So if you're watching this at 9 a.m. Pacific time when this episode has come out at 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, you can head over to kindoffunny.com slash, no, kindoffunny.com slash t-shirt Tuesday where you can get directed right to the link. We do these flash sales. We only sell these shirts for an hour. I warned you last week, Baker's Dozen was coming. This is your final reminder. And if you listen to this after 12.30 p.m. Pacific time, Tuesday, you're screwed. It's over. You missed it already. Sorry, bro. Also, go vote for me in the South by Southwest Gaming Awards over at kindoffunny.com slash South by Southwest. Another award we can win and show people we're mm. a big deal even though they don't know us. And then also, Tim floated this to me, I guess. I didn't know this. Apparently, iTunes over there, something happened. Some gremlin got in the system. So if you're not seeing new thing, uh, new episodes of PS I Love You XOXO, Gamescast, Game Over Greggy pop in your feed, you need to unsub and then resub to the podcast. So if you're seeing anything or you just want to tinker around, make sure nothing goes off the rails, do that. Colin, mm. let's begin the show with what is and forever will be Roper's Report. <laughs> Time for some singular possessive news. Let's see. There are 12 items on the list. A baker's dozen. Uh, number one, TT Games is releasing yet another Lego game. This one for Star Wars, The Force Awakens. The aptly named Lego Star Wars, The Force Awakens. It's coming to PS4, PS3, and Vita, as well as every other imaginable platform on June 28th. PS4 and PS3 gamers will have access to exclusive DLC in the form of the Droid Character Pack and the Phantom Limb Level Pack. There are no further details available right now, though you can watch the introductory trailer online. How did you feel about the news today that this is going to expand on the lore of The Force Awakens and explain the red arm of C-3PO? That's, well, I mean, that's fine. It's Interesting really choice. Yeah, it doesn't really The Lego game's going to do that. Yeah, I mean, they, they probably see good resonance with, the, with uh, Star Wars and Lego, since, you know, Star Wars games are... Have been Lego Lego eyes for started. yeah ten yeah. or eleven years now. So what's interesting for me is I thought these days had come and gone. I thought when Disney took over Star Wars that we would see no, no more of these opportunities. Disney would keep it in house or with their own things like Disney Infinity, which we have already seen. And then, which also raises the question for me is if they're doing another Lego Star Wars game, can they now put Star Wars into Lego Dimensions? Will Disney allow that since they already have their own Toys of Life game right. that features Star Wars characters prominently? Yeah, there's some. Questions I would there. say no, but I would have said this was a no too. Who the hell knows anymore? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. It's interesting, you know, timing for the game. I don't know why they wouldn't have had it. See, this goes back to what I was saying about how they don't they didn't have a, a true everybody game for Star Wars this holiday, which they didn't. Battlefront, I don't care what anyone says, is not a game that sold well, but it's not a game that was for everybody. They didn't have a game that marketed itself at children and casual gamers. Battlefront sure. is not a game for a seven-year-old, or it's not a game for a person who doesn't play video games very often, but like Star Wars, um, even though it is a casual shooter. Um, so this would have been a good timing for this. Is this exact game I thought that they would maybe try to have ready? Yeah, um, and clearly they were working on it. That's time, why I think the the most interesting thing about this because I don't think I'm going to play this one. Maybe I'll tinker with it, but I'm not going to try to platinum it or anything crazy. Again, I, I like Lego games, but I like Lego games that are aimed at you know my personal interest or whatever. Sure. Uh, the most exciting thing, interesting thing about this, I think, is the business dealings behind it. You know, is this Disney truly being open to putting their property wherever they wherever people are? You know, do they think that? I'm most interested about dimensions. Does this open the door to dimensions or is there a no strict? No, we're not going to do dimensions right. kind of thing. Number two, a limited edition PlayStation four console bundle will launch alongside uncharted Four at thief's end on April 26th. The console will come with a 500 gigabyte hard drive and uncharted Four on Blu-ray. The console itself is gray blue with a gray blue controller alongside it. Sick Parvis Magna will be etched into it, which means greatness from small beginnings. That's what's on Drake's ring. 
Drake is also seen on the side of the console along with the classic golden Uncharted logo. Pre-ordering it will net you a voucher for the Uncharted Drake's Fortune outfit, golden weapon skin, and additional points to spend in Uncharted 4's multiplayer mode. The console bundle will cost $399 in the U.S., and the controller will be made available separately starting in March for $64.99. The controller is pretty sweet looking. Do you, I overall, don't need it, but... Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, yeah, that's the thing. You and I always come down on these special edition things. I don't need any of them. Right. Really wanted this guy. The silver one, of course. Yeah, yeah. Really like the controller of stuff. Yeah, but I mean, I, I just... Controllers the are aesthetic, easier. it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think yeah. the controller definitely is more, more appealing to me. Sure. Now, somebody in the comments mm. over on kindoffunny.com slash PSQ where you can submit your question. Asked a question I didn't even bother to put in the bag. But he, he was, who's this aimed at? He, he made the, he was saying, and I didn't put this in there because I thought it was a silly question. Who's this aimed at? If you're if you're an Uncharted fan, you would have already bought a PlayStation 4. And I say not necessarily. No, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, it's aimed at Uncharted fans. I, I think that um, there's plenty of Uncharted fans that have not bought the PS4 yet because yeah. they're waiting for Uncharted. And, they pro- and this was an obvious console bundle, so it's not like, you know... They probably knew any any PlayStation fan knows that they're probably going to do something with Uncharted 4 mm-hmm. and the PS4. And I don't so, think it was a no-brainer that if you're an Uncharted fan, you'd want to buy the collection. Because there was the bundle, obviously, for the Nathan Drake mm-hmm. collection. But it's like, I'm ex- if, you're an un- if you're a casual Uncharted fan, you're excited for new Uncharted, not playing the old ones. Agreed. Number four. No, number three. Okay. Skipping in. Number three. Bethesda's upcoming game, Doom, which was first announced in 2008 and has gone through multiple iterations and reworkings, Finally has a release date. It will launch on PlayStation 4 as well as Xbox One and PC on May 13th. The collector's edition of... Hold on, I have a spelling right here. Of the game will come with a 12-inch Revenant statue as well as a steel case for $119.99. Ooh. I hate steel cases. Me too. I want them all to look the goddamn same. Me too. The statue looks pretty cool. Um, you can get it? You're a big Doom fan. No, I'm not going to get it. I mean, okay. I'm going to get the game, but... Sure, of course you can. Uh, yeah, exciting. Sooner than I thought. Yeah. And then number four, speaking of Bethesda, the developer unexpectedly announced it will be at E3 again in 2016. The company held its first ever E3 press conference in 2015 to announce Fallout 4 and show off other games, including Dishonored 2 and the aforementioned Doom. And it was widely assumed that the show was a one-off based on release schedules. The conference will be held on Sunday, June 12th at 7 p.m. Pacific time, and nothing else is known about what the company is planning to announce or otherwise talk about. Snarky Starky went over to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ just like you can to get your questions read and says, hey, guys. Since Bethesda went ahead and announced their E3 press conference the day after you recorded the last episode, hashtag Colin was wrong, what do you think they'll show? My guess is Fallout DLC, Doom, and then he put in parentheses, Edit, since it's now been announced for a May release, maybe not, and Dishonored 2 will be the highlights. Probably still way too early for a team to have anything from Elder Scrolls VI to show off or tease, but that would certainly be a treat. Thanks, Trevor. P.S. I love you and can't wait for Kind of Funny Live 2. What's what's this, what's the Bethesda 2.0 going to look like here? Um, so I think that he's right that Fallout DLC is like a shoe in. Hundred percent, I can't wait. Um, God damn! You think? Do you think by then they have mods on consoles? Or are they going to announce that date too? It's it's today. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that that would be a huge splash. I think it'd be. Well, I'm not saying it's the only thing. I'm just saying that's what you you say that to get people excited for the moment, and then you also go, hey, by the way, um, DLC coming, yo. But if you look at um. Like Zenimax is, you know, but Beth- like Bethesda is owned by a company called Zenimax. They're their development studios. They have, let's see, seven of them. Uh, so Bethesda Game Studios is doing Fallout. Um, Zenimax Online is doing, you know, Tamriel Unlimited. So then you have ID. They're doing Doom. Um, and then you get start getting into like things like Arcane Studios uh, with Dishonored. But I think that and Battlecry Studios, which is doing Battlecry. But I think that you are or. Trevor is missing two major things here, Son of a and bitch, I think that Trevor. there's two major games that are going to be announced. At least, at least one of them, but I, I would say both of them is that Tango, 
uh, which did the Evil Within as their first game. Um, we'll probably announce the Evil Within 2, you have to assume, mm-hmm. um, or a new project, but the Evil Within sold very well. Um, and then Machine Games. Of course. Um, with Wolfenstein, I think that uh, a new Wolfenstein would make sense as well. Now, um, how that would fit alongside Doom in terms of these two kind of futuristic shooters, even though Doom, you know, Wolfenstein takes place in the past, but it is a futuristic shooter. Sure. Um, Got that crazy Nazi technology. Right, exactly. Um, you know, it just seems to me that there's a there's a good opportunity for them to announce their games as well, or at least one of their games as well. And Tango has obviously been um, quiet, I think, a little longer um, than than machine games when you consider the DLC for, for Wolfenstein, but they, mm-hmm. they can move fast. It's not like the game has to come out this year. But then again, they might learn the lesson of not announcing games too soon, but they did talk about Dishonored 2 and it's still not out yet as well. So Fallout was really the anomaly there in terms of, you know, quick to announce, quick to, to release um, kind of situation. Here's one thing I want to throw out there. And don't get me wrong, I don't think it would be the exact same thing, but do you think there could be any movement at this conference in an announcement with Prey? Remember, Prey Two had got we've been shown to us uh, years ago. Is when we saw Fallout. No, when we Skyrim. saw uh, yeah Skyrim, uh, and w- everybody was bonkers for it. it. Looked like a really cool idea, and then it just never came to fruition. Got canceled or whatever. Do you think? And I'm not. I'm not. So I don't think it's Prey Two. But do you think that maybe some they've had somebody working on that? Maybe it would be cool to have a big splash like that. But I think that if you just have, just logically thinking, Fallout, DLC, Dishonored Two, release date or something, or it's soon or whatever. Wolfenstein and Evil Within. That's a pretty good conference. That's a great conference. That's a really, really fucking great conference. So, um, I mean, I'm not a Dishonored fan, but people like that game. And I'm, I would be... Anything Machine Games is doing... I hope that they're working on Wolfenstein. That would make sense. Yeah, I'm sure they're working on um, But they could be working... They're, they're, a, they're The studio, you know, a lot of those guys didn't come from Starbury. So, they're, they're, um, their pedigree is shooters. So, yeah, just stick with what you know. And, annu- you know, you don't have to annualize your games, but you can stick with IP, well-worn yeah. IP, and make them better. So, you know, Wolfenstein was so fantastic that... It would be a shame for them not to go back to it. Are you still chipping away at the, the old blood? Yeah, I guess that is something I was playing. Yeah, this, the the challenge maps, but I'm not really like trying to get anywhere in it. I'm just having fun with it, dicking around. Yeah, yanking dicks, as they say. Yeah, dick yanking. Number five, Capcom is reportedly discussing the possibility of making a new Animusha game, Ooh. at least according to the Daily Star Online. Capcom's Yoshinori Ono told the outlet, quote, the Capcom as a company know we have many brands, IPs, and series that are beloved by players around the world, and we always have fans asking us when it's this or that coming back. I've spoken internally with people who made Animusha with me originally and talked about maybe how interesting it would be to revisit that series, but fans should know that we're not further down that road than in the discussion phase. Right now, I'm so focused on Street Fighter V that I'm not really in a position to start that same level of battle that I had getting Street Fighter Four made. Um, so yeah, obviously Yoshinori Ono worked on the original Animusha and, and, uh, one of the ironic things he says in the story later on is that, um, when he wanted to make Street Fighter 4, the argument was that Capcom was like, but we have these series that sell like Resident Evil and Animusha and, <laughs> and then Animusha hasn't had a new game in 10 years. Um, and obviously Resident Evil sucks now. Fell off the So, cliff. um, so it's ironic how things change. Now mm-hmm. Animusha, they can live again. Um, it will for sure. I hope right? so. The, it has. Animusha to. one and two and four, I think, were all great games. Especially the first two were fucking awesome games. And Animusha, the original Animusha, was the very first PS2 game to sell over a million copies. Um, so yeah, that's all there is to be seen. But any you know, anytime Animusha comes up, you get excited. My interest, yeah, definitely. Number six. This is a weird one. I thought long in development zombie shooter H1Z1 is evolving mm. into a new form. Basically, it's being split into two separate games. This comes from a. Uh, this comes from attention early access players have paid to both the survival style game and the battle royale game mode, which will now be severed from one another and released separately. 
In a statement, Daybreak Studio said, quote, the more we develop this game with you, our community, the more we realize that in order to fully support both aspects of H1Z1 and their respective players, we needed to make their own, them their own standalone games supported by their own dedicated development teams. Many players in the community have been discussing splitting the game, and we've heard you loud and clear. We want to make sure we give both the titles the support they needed and deserve to truly flourish, end quote. The result is H1Z1 Just Survive, a persistent open-world zombie survival game like the one that they you know, have been working Pretty on. Pretty much what is H1Z1 now. And then H1Z1 King of the Hill, which is a more fast-paced shooter. King of the Hill launches on PS4 this summer. So. Bizarre. I mean, it's not. At, at first glance, when you hear the story, it's bizarre. And then when you think about, no, H1Z1's been out forever, how do, how do you get somebody excited about a game that's already been out forever to get more headlines? How do you get back in the Because I'm sure it's like every other persistent online game, right? The longer you're out, the less... IGN GameSpot, whoever wants to cover you, even sure. us who want to talk about you, right? Sure. Just because, okay, you're old news. People know you have your audience, so you get a new audience this way. Plus, they coupled this with the announcement of the Xbox One PS4 versions supposedly coming out this summer, which I don't believe for a second. Mm. But yeah, it's. I think it's a ploy to get back in the headlines. Um, I don't know. I mean, Alfredo Diaz is the only H1Z1 player I really know. I'm not sure how he cares, how much he cares about it. But again, he had stopped playing it. I haven't seen him stream that in a long time. Right. We'll see. It's an interesting move. Part of me feels like it's a money move. But part of me feels like it would cost more to make the game separately. So if you have two development teams, unless you're severing the teams, you know that you have, and yeah, it just seems like a it seems like a it seems at the same time a focused and unfocused move, depending on how you. I'm gonna call Alfredo. I don't want to know his opinion on this. Oh, I didn't bring my phone, so Alfredo, you get off light this time. Number seven. After roughly three years, PS3 exclusive free to play shooter Dust Five One Four is shutting down. Developer CCP announced the shutdown on their forums, noting in part, "quote We are very proud." of what we've learned and accomplished with Dust 514 on PlayStation 3 over the past three years, and it is an honor to be a part of such a dedicated community. We consider Dust 514 one of the best free-to-play offerings on the platform, but the years have caught up with us. It is with a heavy heart that we inform you that Dust 514 will be shutting down on May 30th, 2016. We therefore will not be releasing the 1.3 update as we had planned. Players will continue to be able to play for free on our servers until then, but all further PSN packs and purchases have been removed and disabled from in-game marketplace and the PlayStation Store. Players with existing Aurum will be able to continue to purchase items from the in-game marketplace. Aurum, of course, does that end quote? Aurum, of course, is the in-game currency. Um, yeah, I don't know how it even lasted this long. This this was surprising, not surprising. This was a disaster. It's one of those. Yeah, when's the last time anyone talked about Dust Five One Four? You know, I feel like the last time people talked about Dust Five One Four was before it came out. Mm. Um, because they just teased it so long and it sounded so promising because as people might not remember Dust 514 was kind of a technical marvel because it looked didn't look good but it connected with EVE Online on PC in an intimate way where planet by like the planetary battles in the game that you never saw in EVE because you were in a spaceship in space were happening on the planets below and the games interacted with each other yep. and you can talk to each other and stuff it's a very cool idea and I remember being really jazzed not to play because I, I wasn't into the game itself but but about how progressive it was yeah and it just didn't seem to work out and I think they kind of well, got just in over took head. forever remember this is totally a game that yeah did it all wrong it came out had this great announcement this great hook we're going to do this console game that's going to tie into EVE everyone's going to love it and then it took years and years and years and you saw it again and again again and again there's like where the fuck is this game put yeah. it out and then it came out in the beta release and then they did the full launch and you're just like what the hell's going on yeah it was it was very muddled it was not well done but they are making like a spiritual successor i don't remember the name of it uh, on pc eve valkyrie no i know uh, number eight square enix is listening to fans who want adventures of mana on vita in the west adventures of mana is a remake of the final fantasy adventure a game boy exclusive rpg but unlike japanese gamers who got it on ios and android as well as vita Western gamers only got the phone ports. Square Enix Europe tweeted out that it's looking, it's listening to fans and is looking into the possibility of a Western Vita port. Go to at Square underscore Enix underscore EU. 
at square underscore enix underscore eu on twitter and look excuse me and look for the tweets and follow the link provided to the square enix blog post where you can tell them you want it in the comments i bet a lot of comments are saying they want it there number nine you think they'll get it probably not oh number nine Grand Theft Auto V has officially reached 60 million units sold, uh, or this is shipped really, including digital copies sold, making it the fourth best-selling game of all time, behind Minecraft at 72 million units, Ooh. Wii Sports at 82 million units, and a mobile version of Tetris, which is downloaded 425 million times. And I think that that's that's, that's some, a bullshit that's number. That's some fish numbers. Come on. Um, let me correct the Super Mario Brothers at 40 million, Mario Kart Wii at 36 million, and Tetris on Game Boy at 35 million sit behind it. So, very impressive sales. Good company. Number 10, The Witness, which has been all the rage amongst numerous members of the hardcore PS4 community, as well as PC gamers, officially sold, quote, substantially, end quote, more than 100,000 copies in its first week on the market across both platforms. It grossed over $5 million. The Witness made more money in a week than Jonathan Blow's last game, Braid, made in its first year on the market from August 2008 to September 2009, although the game is more than twice as much as Braid. Does that surprise you that it sold that well? No, not really. It seemed like people really loved it, so... I'd like to go to a tangentially related question okay. over at kindoffunny.com slash PSQ from BP Mizazala. Hey guys, I've been wondering something lately. Since we are quickly approaching the release of No Man's Sky, I started wondering how much it would cost upon release. Given that Joe Danger games have all been downloadable games priced at around $10, I assume No Man's Sky would come out around $20. However... The more hype Sony builds with the game and with The Witness recently coming out at $40 on top of your most likely accurate prediction of it being a PS or a PSVR launch game, will we see this game as a $60 retail thing? Prices don't matter, of course, but it just seems like this game is now closer to being larger A to A, A to triple A game instead of a download only indie. Your thoughts? So this is interesting because this is what you've talked about for a long time is you want to see people explore the scale of pricing on digital downloads so that when a game like the witness comes out at $40 people don't flip their lids which they did of course then they got the game and realized it's 80 to 90 or however long you want it to be maybe i shouldn't be pissed off that it's 40 dollars. Right. where do you think no man's sky shakes down in this situation i don't know i feel like no man's sky is gonna be 60 dollars, but i just feel like it's it's because of sony's involvement with it and and uh the scale and scope of it um as well so uh i don't know i i don't i, I think the witness is a nice emblematic example of uh unique pricing mm-hmm. that you know forty dollars um in the sixty dollar game era used to mean budget title at retail um but now it's it's it doesn't mean that and so i think or you know the witness shows that it doesn't have to mean that the witness is very well made it was in development for a long time so um i don't know i i want to continue to see the pricing explored from free to hundreds of dollars if you think your game's worth that i, I just don't think that we should have this expectation that a game just because it comes in a box should cost sixty dollars. Maybe it should cost thirty, or maybe it should cost a hundred dollars, yeah. depending on the game. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, um, it's like when you used to buy albums, and uh, you know, you get a double CD sometimes, Oof. and they call you know, um, uh, Smashing Pumpkins, uh, um, Infinite Sadness was two albums, and that cost more than a CD, you know, one CD thing, uh, because there's more music. Yeah, you know, it's not only the ma- it's not the really the cost of manufacture; it's that there's more music. I hear. You. So. Um, I like it. I like I like that he have, was bold enough to charge $40. I'm sure he knew that it was not going to be easy to do that. I think No Man's Sky won't be 60. I don't think it'll be a full 60, but 40 sounds right. You know what I mean? Especially if it is if our prediction comes true and it is, hey, this game is going to be a PlayStation VR game as well. I think that makes sense then, right? Cuz you want 
a game that's hopefully I'm you know I'm I'm putting it on a pedestal already. Hopefully amazing, and then that moves the VR units or at least gives everybody who buys the VR a reason to pick it up. And if that's the case, you're buying this headset. You want it not at some crazy price point. Sure. Number eleven, Titanfall two, which unlike the original Titanfall, will come to PlayStation four. Will officially have a campaign, something the original game lacked and something the original game was criticized for. Jesse Stern, the game's writer, talked to Forbes about the quote grounded, dirty, human, and real end quote world, which Titanfall two will take place in. While developer Respawn didn't have the resources to focus on both multiplayer and single player in the original, 10 million units sold to the original has given the studio some leeway with which to work. As far as what uh, what the game will touch on thematically and in terms of storytelling, he told Forbes the following, quote, So we are doing our best to deliver a vision of, global, of grand global colonial warfare, retelling the story of the American Revolution and the American Civil War in space. We imagine the next generation of immigrants moving out to the new frontier of an inhabitable planet. Rather than taking a traditional sci-fi approach to that, we wanted to look at how that would happen practically, what the ships would look like, and what mach- and with machines that were designed for excavation and construction, demolition and working the land, and what happens when they are turned into instruments of war. What inspires us is the junction of technological advancement with the inevitability of conflict and war, and what the next war might look like. In Titanfall 2, there will be a lot of scenes where science meets magic, but keeping it grounded and dirty and human. and real. Grounded, dirty, and humans. So that's cool. Yeah. Sounds interesting. Are you going to play it? I'll play the campaign, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. Then you'll get addicted and you'll come play the multiplayer with me. I doubt it. And finally, we'll regen num- together. number 12. Don't you want to regen with me? No, not at all. I have no Please interest in regening with, with me. you. I just don't even know what that means, to be honest. Uh, number 12. Rogue, this is the uh, the wrap-up. Okay. Rogue-like RPG, Shiren, The Wanderer, The Tower of Fortune, and The Dice of Fate. It's coming exclusively to Vita on July 26th. Should I be excited? I don't know. It the, looks pretty cool. Yeah, the art looked cool. If you like roguelikes, I guess that's a game to keep an eye on. And who doesn't? Rhythm Platformer Runner 2 is coming to PS4 on February 23rd. Game Boy Color-inspired platformer Ninja Senki DX comes to PS4 and Vita on February 23rd. That game looks rad. Strategy RPG Grand Kingdoms, or Grand Kingdom, singular, comes to PS4 and Vita on June 21st. Hack and Slasher Mitsurugi Kamui, Kamui Hikai. Mitsurugi Kamui Hikai. Coming to PS4. is coming to PS4 on February 16th. And finally, Mirror's Edge Catalyst will get a beta. And signups are now live for PS4 as well as other platforms at mirrorsedge.com slash beta if you want to go sign up for that. And that is all for the news. Colin. Yes. I do like roguelikes. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that Vita game pans out. But it's so far away. If I want to know what came to the mom and grop shops this week, where would I go? You go to the upcoming list of PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, and PlayStation Vita software by the kind of funny co-founders. <laughs> Arslan, the Warriors of Legend, comes to PS4 and PS3 digitally in a retail. Says, an exciting collaboration between the heroic legend of Arslan anime and the action action infused warrior series. The exhilaration of plowing through large enemies has fused together with this charm and style of the world crafted in the anime. Experience the grand historical fantasy of Arslan. Okay. All right. How's that one? (laughs) How's that treat you, Colin? That's pretty bad. Assassin's Creed Chronicles comes to PS4 digital and at retail. It says, follow three legendary assassins in their journey of revenge, retribution, and redemption in a stunning reimagining of the Assassin's Creed universe. Slay from the shadows, master the art of parkour, and take the leap of faith in the series of action-adventure platform games presented as a collection of spectacular living paintings. And then, Assassin's Creed Chronicles Russia, which is the third one that's in the collection, comes to PS4 digitally only. It says, Russia, 1918. Nikolai Orlov wants to leave with his family but is required to perform one last mission for the Assassin Order. Infiltrate the house where the Tsar's family is being held by the Bolsheviks and steal an artifact that has been fought over by Assassins and Templars for centuries. 
Along the way, he witnesses the massacre of the Tsar's children, but manages to save the princess, Anastasia. He must escape the Templars while protecting the artifact and Anastasia. Okay. Were these games good? Has anyone ever talked positively about them? I don't know. I've never heard anyone talk about them at all. Yeah, exactly. Right. I forgot all about them that one time until they're like, oh, they're almost out. I was like, oh, shit. Breath of Fire 3 comes to PSP digitally. No. Just no. And it's compatible with Vita and PSTV. Mm. Says the legendary RPG series Breath of Fire returns with the tales of long forgotten worlds, intrepid heroes, and ancient mystical powers. The destiny awaits you. A small boy on the run, a dragon reborn in flames, the last of an extinct race with mighty powers. I'm not sure the legendary RPG series Breath of Fire returns. I bought this game on PS1 in eighth grade. But it's back now. It is back. You can relive those memories, Colin. It's a great game. Okay. Dying Light, the following enhanced edition comes to PS4 digital and at retail. Dying Light Enhanced Edition takes parkour-fueled zombie survival to a whole new level. Enjoy the definitive Dying Light experience with the brand new Legend system, improved visuals, major gameplay enhancements, and more. Firewatch comes to PS4 digitally. It says Firewatch is a mystery set in the Wyoming wilderness, where your only emotional lifeline is the person on the other end of a handheld radio. And you, again, you can watch our review on YouTube.com slash games. It starts spoiler-free, and then we warn you and go into spoilers. Level 22 comes to PS4, PS3, and Vita. It's digital, and it's out on the 11th, so this is a Thursday release. Gary is an office worker who oversleeps after a drunken night out on the town. Here's where it gets tricky, because this isn't the first time Gary's been late for work, and he could be fired if he's spotted arriving at his desk after everyone else yet again. So we'll have to prove he's smart and sneaky enough to make his way up all the 22 floors to his office. That's cool. That's a cool concept for a game. I like the concept for that. It'd be cool if you told me anything else about it. Show me a screenshot. It's just a logo. I could do with some more, you know? Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time comes mm. to PS4 Digital. As a you, Nick Scarpino approved game. Yep. If you might remember on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games earlier this year, we did a Let's Play when this came to Xbox One. It says, explore a neon galaxy in your very own battleship in a thrilling one or two player couch co-op adventure. Take control of turrets, lasers, shields, and thrusters using teamwork to triumph over the evil forces of anti-love. Fuck anti-love. MOP Operation Cleanup comes to PS4 Digitally. It says, you are MOP in all capitals, a curious and unique model of robot. You have been engineered using simple parts with one single objective to clean up a polluted environment. Explore five challenging worlds with 50 difficult missions full of pixel-perfect platforming fun. No, not going to play that. I don't think so. Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Ninja Storm 4 comes to PS4, digital and retail. The latest opus in the acclaimed Storm series is taking you on a colorful and breathtaking ride. Take advantage of the totally revamped battle system and prepare to dive into the most epic fights you've ever seen in the Naruto Shippuden universe. And I think I'm saying it right. I think you're nailing it, dude. A broad set of ninja skills will be yours to use against the fiercest foes you'll ever encounter. All right. Rugby Challenge 3 comes to PS4 Digital. It's out the 10th, so this is a Wednesday release. Crouch, bind, set. Rugby Challenge 3 features more than 11 competitions. Be a pro mode plus more. Create custom players and teams shared online across all platforms using the all-new Fan Hub. Sporting great licenses such as the All Blacks, Wallabies, Springboks, and England. No. Why is that even on the PlayStation Blog America? Serialim comes to PS4 and PS Vita digitally. It's cross-buy, and this game sounds interesting to me. Okay. So Serialim is a deep monster capture RPG where you can summon and customize hundreds of creatures to fight by your side. Pokemon? You'll need these creatures to help you travel through randomly generated dungeons to complete randomized quests. So the game's perspective, according to the screenshot, appears to be um, most akin to a, dun- a first-person dungeon crawling like Shadowgate RPG. Um, very old school graphics. So I don't know if it's going to be any good or not, but it looks interesting. You like the visual so far? I do. Gotcha. Unravel comes to PS4 digitally. It says, Unravel introduces Yarny, a new lovable and endearing character made from a single thread of yarn that slowly unravels as you move. 
Inspired by the unique and breathtaking environments of northern Scandinavia, Unravel is a visually stunning physics-based puzzle platformer. I started playing it. What do you think? Eh, I'm not going to go back to it. Yeah? Yeah. Huh. No. I, I, it's, I'm, I saw the reviews start posting today and read some of them. I agree like with them. They're all, we're all on the same page from what I'm the, the past three glance I took at Twitter, right? Uh, beautiful. I like Yarny a lot. I like the story that's happening. I, I would, I, I'm interested to know what's going on exactly, but the, the platforming's average at best. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of annoying at times. It's all right, whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's not fun. The gameplay right. of it isn't fun. Beautiful. But it just doesn't come together mechanically for me to be like, oh, yeah, I want to play more of this. I played like two levels. I'm like, I'm good. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not super, super interested um, in it either, to be honest. I never really have it. I hear you. <sighs> I was more <sighs> interested in the kind young gentleman that introduced the game. See, and that's the problem. That's the whole thing with Yarny that it's got going. It's got a cute protagonist that we all adore. And then, yeah, when the developer came out, like, here's the thing. Yar Yarny's developer, who I don't know off the top of my head. And I don't know if it's in that thing for you to look at. It's not. I, yeah, they did, they've done a great job, EA has especially, of marketing what this is, right? Of the, 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 he came out, he was super nervous. Coldwood Interactive. Had the little Yarny, gave the E3 presentation, shaky voice. Everybody's like, ah, the game's cute and this guy's cool. We want to support his game, right? When you start Unraveled, it, the first screen I think you get to is just t a letter from the developers. Like, thank you so much for playing this. You know, it's been two years of our lives. We're excited to finally share it with you. And you're like, oh, awesome as well. I can't wait. And then I'm like, oh, well. So what is it? What? Where did it net out on Metacritic? Let me look. I haven't looked. I I read. Uh, I think I read the IGN review today, and maybe a little bit of Game Spots before I got swept away. It's an eighty-one on Metacritic. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um. Let's see. It's not Destructoid bad. gave it a hundred. PlayStation Universe a ninety. Games Radar a ninety. EGM an eighty-five. IGN an eighty-three. Let's see. Six Axis eighty. Game Informer seventy-eight. Game Trailer 75. GameSpot 70. So yeah, like decent to good to yeah, great. Again, I guess. it's not, it's not but it's, a it bad game. It's a, a puzzle platform. The, the, yeah, the, the platforming in general just wasn't like, oh, this feels so good. You know what I mean? Final game is We Are Doomed comes to Vita digitally crossed by with PS4. It's already on PS4. Um, and people might remember, that, might remember this. It says We Are Doomed is a twin stick shooter where you zap pol polygon baddies with an absurdly overpowered laser beam. Dive headfirst into the action with reckless ambition. Charge the super beam and zap everything out of existence in an instant. And that is all for the games that come out this week. Then it's time for topic of the show. Today's topic of the show was submitted over at kindoffunny.com slash PSQ by Matt Roy Sem. Yeah, okay, that's what we're going to say. At console gamer. 24-7. That's his Twitter handle. That's probably a better name than what you have here, even though that's your PSN name as well. But I'm going to call you Console Gamer 24-7. Says, can Sony keep getting away with the PSN in its current state? With its poor reliability and, and the fact you cannot change your PSN name, I really think they need to invest in this structure. Thanks, Matt from the UK. Now, this is something interesting. Since PS3, we've all been complaining about the PSN. You know what I mean? Since the debut of the PSN, we've complained about the PSN. Mm -hmm. And here we are, PlayStation 4 selling like hotcakes. More people than ever using it, but still, it's down all of a sudden. There's this maintenance here. You gotta manually sync your trophies, unless you have it, you know, on your the timer thing to pop sure. in there and stuff. Do you, what do you how do you feel about this? Can they keep getting away with it? Connor? I think they, they they are going to get away with it, but it's but it there is something to be said that now that you know 
online play on PS4 is is uh, PlayStation Plus enabled. So on PS3 and Vita, you can play online for free. And that was the cool thing about PS Plus was that it was an additive kind of program. But since right. on PS4, it's basically Xbox Live Gold, and you need it if you want to play games online, unless you are strictly single player, which is you know fine. I am, but I have PS Plus. Um, then there is something to be said that if you're paying fifty or sixty dollars for this a year, then should you not expect expect a little bit better? And I, I do think that the PSN is 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 extremely unreliable. It's not to say that it's it's not even down ninety nine point nine percent of the time, but we expect it to go down, and it's never a surprise when it goes down. Yeah. And someone made a good point. I don't know where I read it. I just thought it was a good point um, that resonated with me, where they were saying like. Especially about like the scheduled maintenance that just appears out of nowhere. It's like if it's scheduled, then like why are you telling us like sometimes like twelve hours in? Yeah, like I and like why does it why why does this happen? Like why why does the network have to have maintenance all the time? Like I'm sure the Xbox Live is maintained in some way, but it doesn't go down. So I do think that there's a difference between the two. The two um, that that ironically does not seem to matter very much. Right, and that's the big thing. I think I think uh, you know his question is, can they keep getting away with it? And I think, of course, they can keep getting away with it because I think it shows right now the fact that it's not perfect. It's not even that great. And the fact is, most people don't really care. You know what I mean? Yeah, they I mean, don't complain about it. They don't do this. The one thing I'm starting to see more and more complaints with, which I agree with, is the interesting thing of like, how bad is the the wife the internet capabilities of the PS4 that downloads take so long? You know what I mean? There's people who are showing like. I mean, we have amazing internet here, right? And still, it takes forever to yeah, download. Yeah, we have extremely good email, uh, simple internet. stuff, and it's like it's not the internet coming to the house; it's the the PlayStation 4's ability to process. Sure. It. And so then I understand that it comes down to what is in the console that's now you know X years old, at least, especially when they pick the mechanic or mechanic, you know what I'm saying, the chip, the technology to put in there and stuff like that. But that, and then you got to worry about how much that would have cost to go up and down. Da, da, da. I'm sure it's just middle of the road, right? It's the best it can be for to keep the price at where they wanted it sure. to launch. But I would love a PlayStation 4 that talked to the internet quicker you know what i mean like as fast as i can download a steam game i'd love to be able to download a playstation 4 game yeah the thing is, is that there are technical ramifications um for this new console i think interacting with the psn in the in the the fashion that it exists now across ps3 and vita and psp where i don't it's 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 like everything we talk about sh- surely more complicated than than we think but I also think that there's a lot of excuses being made. It's what we talk about with PSN IDs so much. It's like, there's just a lot of excuses. I understand that it's complicated, but fucking fix it. Yeah. You know, like, you're a mega corporation. Just fix the fucking problem. It's, it's, not, it's not like you're just like 10 guys, like, running a company in your basement. You, you have no excuses to not be able to, to fix some of these issues. So the, the PSN ID thing or is, is, is a minor thing or trophy sinking. Like, I don't really care about that. But, like, th- these are minor issues that should be fixed because the, you, you, your competition is lapping you. Um, but Sony looks at it and says like, well, it's functional and we aren't really seeing any commercial ramifications. Exactly. So if we have X amount of capital to invest in things like we're not going to invest in something that's not really even hurting us from a bottom, like from the uh, bottom line, but they are flush they're not flush with money. I mean, they they were losing fucking hemorrhaging billions of dollars, but they are making a healthy profit now. And maybe it's time to reinvest some of that back into the PSN's infrastructure because PSN will be important beyond PlayStation four into PlayStation five and into like whatever sort of, um, ubiquity the PSN ends up having which is you know something we talked about on the Gamescast with NX and and is this thing you know there was rumors that NX might run on PlayStation 4 for instance and what does that mean and stuff like that if PSN is going to be this thing that exists in 10 or 20 years and I'm sure it will be apart from the hardware then then these these kinds of um, uh, capital investments in infrastructure matter and And that's why it's interesting to see them them Go off in these things to make communities, right? To make these other things that don't have any real purpose. You know what I mean? Like yeah, communities weird. exist, and I know that on the kind of that we have two kind of funny communities. Uh, the 
audience is in there, the community, the best friends are in there chatting with each other, but they're not interacting in a meaningful way with what happens on the PSN. You know what I mean? Like I would have rather see them not do communities and figure out, put that, that capital towards name changes or figured out a way to make things run a bit smoother or do this. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's enough things that people complain about with the PSN that I don't think anybody's, you know, hankering for communities. That's yeah. what they wanted people to get to. Agreed. Not to mention that I just, I feel that like that's a lost thing. So I mean, to the question from Matt, right. Of like, how long can they keep getting away with this? I think for a long time, but I agree with Matt's own question point here is that they need to invest in the structure. Cause yeah, it's the same thing we talk about with brick and mortar versus download, right? Like we're tip of the sword on that. We're, you know, we have great internet in San Francisco. We are totally on board with just downloading everything. And the rest of the country isn't that yet. But as, Google Fiber and better Wi-Fi and all that gets out to everyone and it becomes a thing where everyone's there if PlayStation is still holding on to what it is now. Cause it, and it's also what we always talk about a little bit with like, you know, Stockholm Syndrome, right? Like PS3 was so bad that when we got PlayStation 4, we we're like, ah, nearly yeah. everything's fixed the way it's, you know, yeah. it's running the way it should be that running. That is the thing too. I think that's the important context is you can tell, eh, not always, but I think you can generally tell who owned a PS3 and who didn't, by the way, they talk about the PS4 because it's like, you have no way, you, you don't even know. you like, you can't even know how bad how it bad was. it was, and, and, to, and and we didn't know how bad it was sure. until we went to PS4. I remember, you know, I had first played a retail PS4 in October before it came out when we started getting them, um, and I was like, "This is insane." Yeah, you know, I, I I was like, "I can't believe how good this works, like how fast it is." Sure. And, and so my complaints, your friends' requests, it crashed. So my <laughs> complaints are minimal. To yeah. be honest with you, but it's also sure. my complaints are minimal just because I don't care if the network's up. Like unless I'm in one of those situations where I need to download a game, I really could give a fuck less if the network is up. Right. Um. I don't look at what other people are playing. I don't really message people. I don't there's play enough, online games. But I mean, like, it's I'm with you on that. But there's enough stuff. I remember uh, uh, when the PSN was down for something or whatever. Our friend Sean Pitts, you know, one of the best friends, logged on to play a game and found it locked. Right. And he went on Twitter about like, I can't even play my games. And everybody's like, Well, is it, is this your primary PS4? And he's like, Yes. And then we're like. Did you actually set it as your primary PS4 though, right? And had explained that like there's a few little hitches in there, right? right. And that it would be like, all right, well, why not make that a little bit simpler for people to understand and get sure. in there and do it? But those are use case scenarios, I assume. Colin? Yes. Topic of the show was sponsored. Did you know that? I didn't. Actually. It was sponsored by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer items and pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get four to eight items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. Make sure you head to LootCrate.com PS and enter the code PS to save $3 on a new subscription. Loot Crate is more than just a subscription service. It's an entire community of fans that share their experience and interact with each other around the unboxing of each month's crate. And Loot Crate guarantees you at least $40 in value if not more for every crate sometimes it's a lot more every month there is a different theme and all the items are curated around that theme for february we've braved the dangers of alexandria and bribed some mercs with chimichangas to bring you the finest loot this side of the afterlife this month theme is dead and reaches across genres to bring you fine five sorry exclusives including a t-shirt and two figures to celebrate the new episodes of the walking dead and deadpool's solo film debut remember you only have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, Jack, that's it. It's over. So go to LootCrate.com and enter the code. No, LootCrate.com slash PS and enter the code PS to save $3 on your new subscription today. Colin? Yes. It's time for the return to trophy time. That's great. I'm excited about that. What do you got for me? This uh, is the segment you debuted last, the, the, the first new segment for PS I Love UXO in a long time. Four games stick out to me this week. Now, it, 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 brief people, what is this segment? 
It's just we're just going to look at trophies that have popped recently, um, and we can talk about trophies we've earned as well. But sure. trophies that have popped on Exo Phase and PSN profiles um, for upcoming games. So just give you a look at, you know, some of the. Let me look here. Some there we go. Some of the games that we might have to be dealing with soon, mm. or that you could deal with soon. I don't want to say might have to because that makes it sound like you're forced to. You, you have to play every game, get every trophy. So Assassin's Creed, uh, tr- uh, Assassin's Creed Chronicles trilogy packs trophies as a platinum. How do they look? Do they, um, look, they, look, they look Yeah, they look easy to me. Um, just complete the games and stuff like that. Headshots, um, completing memory sequences and stuff like that. So it seems it seems reasonable enough. Unravel's trophies are up. This also has a platinum. Um, you have to find every secret, mend a broken bond. That's probably beating the game. Finish each level from start to finish without dying. And so I think some of the platforming being a bit wonky might make that more difficult than you'd intend it to be. Yeah, so there seems to be some difficult ones. Um, there's like one-off ones here at the bottom. Um, make it through the mire in one go without swatting any mosquitoes or make it to the water wheel without using a log raft, etc. So, so these one-off st- you know, stage-specific ones that are probably hidden. Um, so there's that. Uh, the game I'm looking forward to, Ninja Senki DX, which is based basically, uh, it's basically supposed to be designed after a Game Boy Color um, platformer. Gotcha. Looks really fucking cool. Doesn't have a platinum, uh, which is disappointing. But there are different endings. Get the worst ending, the second best ending, get the best ending. Um, get the best ending in hardcore mode. So this is going to be tough. And it seems like the trophies are going to be difficult considering there is no platinum. So I don't know if you want to make the mm-hmm. investment. I, I might. What are you building towards? And finally, we talked about this on Colin and Greg, but I don't think we talked about this here. Is, is Valkyria Chronicles. Um, PS4 trophies are live. The trophies are very uh, Bandai Namco-like, which is weird because it's not a Bandai Namco game. In terms of the... Um, we make fun of the Tales trophies for being like these ridiculously long descriptions that yeah, are like yeah, yeah. paragraphs. This isn't quite that <laughs> way, but um, they're, but they're, they're obtuse in that way. So like excellence in leadership is a gold trophy. It says, obtain the decoration given to an officer who has demonstrated remarkable skill as a leader through the mastery of the art of command. Of course. The fuck does that mean? Oh, you'll know. Obtain, this one's Order of the Holy Shield. Obtain the decoration based on the Valkyrian shield presented to a squad shown to have earned victory without a single casualty. So that's a little more straightforward. You get that one. Um, yeah, so these are, all the trophies are like that. There's no like straightforward trophy. Do this to get this. Yeah, obtain the decoration given to a person who helped save Gallia in t- times of need. Awarded only four times thus far. Once to General Gunther, that's Savior of Gallia. So those are the, and they're popping already, but this is, I assume, because of the Japanese uh, release. So, and someone has a platinum. Who has a platinum? One platinum achiever. Give me their name. The name is Haruhi2728, who is in Japan Mm. and has, let's see, earns 5.1 trophies a day. Um, and out of 359 games played, has only missed 293 trophies. Dang, son. Uh, 334 completed games, 97.9%. What's his overall trophy level? Completion. Um, 52. Jesus Christ. 307 platinum trophies. Good for him. Ranked 439th in the world and 42nd in Japan. That's it for trophies. What have you earned lately? You want to talk about that at all? I went back and did the Gone Home trophies I was missing because I didn't mm. realize the intro counted and I was like being a little lackadaisical about skipping it. Yeah. So you have to do the... the you this know, is for the be- speedrunner one. Beginning, go to the Christmas duck, get the key, run inside, go to the attic, get the key, run upstairs, unlock the attic, go upstairs and get to the book in like a minute. I yeah, think yeah. You have, or a minute and a half. Um, I thought it was less than. And uh, so I did that and then beat the game in 10 minutes with, uh, all, with all of the journals. intel, um, which is easy because you can pause it when you're doing it so you can just use a video. And that's what I did. Nice. Yeah. That's, I think, pretty much all I earned. Volume should be fixed according to a um, uh, Mike Bithell tweet. 
because uh, I was having some people were having serious trophy problems on Vita where yeah. trophies were not popping, which is the only Vita game I've ever had that problem with. Um, but then they were popping, but then they weren't popping again. So I'm going to go back and probably get through that because I really like that game yeah, a lot. Yeah, love volume. But I stopped playing because the trophies weren't working. Gotcha. I was a little disappointed. I was, I was disappointed. Um, I'll also remind you, since we're talking about volume, and it reminds me of a game that came late, although not that late, to Vita, is that uh, I was thinking about this recently. Let me see if I can just find the exact information. Um, let's see. Yeah, it's been almost a year since Axiom Verge came out. Wow, really? Wow. And, uh, yeah, Axiom Verge launched March 31st on PlayStation 4. Dang. Uh, and it's still no word on the Vita. Just totally, you know, things happen. Personal things happen. I accept all of that. It's very sad, but that's not acceptable. I just want to throw that out there. Okay. Like the game, don't promise games for platforms and don't and don't deliver them. That's like my only thing. Like, what if he, what if we were keeping what if Tom Half was keeping us more abreast of the situation? That's fine. I mean, they do release thing like information every once in a while, but I'm just saying like we have right a right as the consumer to, you know, if a game is promised for you to you on a, a, a system and and you should expect that you're gonna get it. You know, mm-hmm. and I just wonder, are we going to pass the year mark, you know, without getting the game on Vita? Like, I bet we may. I get, just I, I will get it before. I just don't not knowing anything about programming. Sure. Which I don't. I just don't understand how hard it can be to get that game to run on Vita. It's not. It's Super Metroid. It's not like, you know, technologically advanced. It's yeah. a beautiful game. It's a fun game. I just say that because I keep looking at it on my PS4 and I'm like, I want to play this, but I just don't want to play this here. Yeah. You know, this is not where I want to play this game. This is not even where this game is really meant to be played in my mind. It's meant to be played on the Vita. Mm-hmm. So it's just disappointing. And I was thinking about that when I saw the volume trophy. So I'm not trying to like, you know, attack anyone. Sure. That's not, you know, um, Tom Hap's a friend of ours. Yeah. Um, and he has other things to do and he's, and he did a great job with Axiom Verge. It's just, it's, it's a little disappointing. I want to voice that. Okay. From my trophy uh, time here, I want to point out that I have 33% of the Monopoly family fun pack trophies you don't have any yeah I which is bullshit them. i hate that yeah that's, and that it's, is bullshit. it's gotten better it seems like it's one of the early gen playstation 4 problems that developers didn't understand they could give us both trophies but whenever that happens that's ridiculous yeah it sucks uh we d- we talked about the trophies also i think a week or two ago but firewatch's trophies suck yeah um it's and, a, and you're on 100 no matter what you get yeah. to just play through you, it which you, is on one hand okay then i just get to play it's like the walking dead yeah um which is fine. You don't have to think about it. But in playing the game, because um, I think Sean Vanneman said, like, well, it's a story-based game. We don't want to do these kind, you know, these trophies or whatever. And we're, well, I think we're going to talk to him this week. Yeah. Um, when I played the game, I'm like, this is super disappointing. Like, there's so many great opportunities for good trophies here. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't want to get into, like, what those are. But there are so many things in that game where I'm like, like I felt you could like, have gotten. I felt like you could have easily put some stuff in there for to make a second playthrough matter. You know what I mean? Like right now, the point of play, a second playthrough would be to find things you missed or advance the story or ha- make different choices and see this kind of thing, right? But none of them are that drastic, I don't think, to warrant me wanting to go back and do another one. I've talked to people. I've read other reviews. I've seen other videos. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Whereas it could have been, go, you know, a trophy here of go find this or go do that or you know what I mean? Then why not? Sure, I'll go back and do it again, maybe. See what's up. But otherwise, no, yeah. The more we talk about Firewatch, because we put up our review, of course, today, mm-hmm. the more I do think it was like, hmm, Maybe I'd want to replay it. I don't know. It's like, but I like just oh, I talking delete, about I it. it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's four hours. You know what I mean? It's like, what does it even matter? Just to get a different perspective on it, make different yeah, choices. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I I didn't watch a review. I probably won't. But I I didn't need, want to come off too negative because it is one of those games where it's cheap enough and short enough. Like I said in the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. twenty dollars. You really gonna miss twenty dollars and like four hours of your time to see if you like it? Yeah. I know that's like my job as, as a critic is to be a little more, you know, 
Opinionated? Yeah. And I am but my my opinion is like the game is interesting and, and it seems like people really like it. I just don't I just don't get the story. You know, like I just, it's just it's so frustrating. People I go into that more in the in the uh video. The video, so I don't want to get too I don't want to get too spoilery here, but I just like for what you guys loved about it, I'm like it, it was meaningless. All this didn't matter. And that's um a game doesn't have to matter. Mario doesn't matter. It's just fun to play. Mm. But this is like Firewatch is a good example of like this is a lost opportunity, and it's sad. You know, it, yeah. it's fine, but it could have been so much more than, than I, yeah. Five. That I agree with one hundred percent. Reader mail, Maelstrom, mail call, mail top cocktail. Oh, that was a good. Mail pattern baldness. Uh first official reader mail question, which you can submit over at kindoffunny.com slash psq, just like Tricky Tricky did. It goes. I'm curious to get your take on Sony's efforts to allow as many players as possible to try PSVR. I recently attended PAX South, and with this being my first games conference and all, I wasn't sure if I should expect PlayStation there showing off the new hardware or not. With the expectation, well, I'm sorry, with the exception of a few developers who had demos on Oculus or other similar hardware, there wasn't any sign of PlayStation VR around. Now, I know conferences are expensive, and that PAX South is a comparatively small show, but I couldn't help but think Sony was missing out on opportunities here to get as many people as possible trying it out firsthand. Considering the difficulty in marketing VR, I thought this may, be, may have been a great chance to further spread the gospel. Do you guys think Sony should be making the extra effort, or is the cost of these smaller shows not worth the investment? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Love all you do. Keep it up. Ricky. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think so. But they got to draw a line somewhere, right? They like, do. The booths aren't cheap. No, Travel they're not. Isn't cheap. They're not. But but this is an exception. Like this is a device that you have to show people. Like you like every one of those people at Pack South could have been an evangelist for for VR mm-hmm. and for PSVR. Maybe it would have leaked out and been an like someone a PC gamer plays PSVR, but then becomes an Oculus believer or whatever it is. Like a sure. high tide raises all boats with this particular segment of the stu- of the uh, of the industry rather. So um, so do you think it could have worked inverse then? Oculus whatever vive was there these people now again it could work like he that, wasn't yeah. saying that oculus had a booth or vive had a booth it was other random developers who had it it could it could be that way but i also i mean i could be wrong in my assumption about all of these conference like these big you know packs and yeah. stuff like that you know, console gamers sure like i i mean i know there are people that play pc games and stuff but i mean these strike me as console people i don't know if that's true or not there are a lot of pc games on the floor all the time yeah but like this just strikes me as the, uh, it's the same thing with E3. It's like, yeah, there's a PC presence here, but this is a console show, you know, like, and it always will be. That's why they did their own little, you know, PC press conference, for instance, at E3. Right. Um, so that that could just be a leap too far for a lot of people. But that that was always my assumption. But nonetheless, Sony's got to take up and scoop up all these opportunities because you have to, like, hit the ground running. It's like campaigning. Yeah. Like, you have to go shake hands and, like, you know, kiss babies, kiss babies and, yeah. you know, get off the stump and shit like that. And, like you just talking about it is not going to sell any of these things you could have maybe they would have only sold a few hundred more but it's the it's the butterfly effect of just getting this thing into people's hands and making believers out of people or giving them the you know giving someone something to talk about that they tell you their parents about or they they tell a friend or an uncle or whoever like about you know i played this this vr and and it, and it spreads it could spread like wildfire that's the way this is going to work so i do think i personally do think it's a, a lost opportunity and i mean yeah booth space and and manning the booths and all that stuff is expensive for pack south and all of these shows, no doubt, it would have cost Sony many hundreds of thousands of dollars to be at that show and put people there and do all that kind of stuff. No doubt about it. But is that really, is it worth it? Maybe. Yeah. I think the problem is, I mean, of what you're looking at, it, I agree. 
in a perfect world, Sony's at every show. They're doing, they're they're there, they're shaking hands, kissing the babies, putting these units on people's face and making them understand it, right? But I do think there's a big part that comes down is just that PAX South, I don't think matters yet. You know what I mean? This is year well, two. Well, you made that clear in your video for Pax Mania. Sure, yeah, yeah, for Pax for Southern Pax Slam. Wrestling, yeah, 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 yeah. Pax like, Mania. Is that make that they make that up? Is that no, a, no, no? It's like real wrestling. So there's now Pax Southern Slam, but there is a thing Pax, called Pax Pax Mania, Mania okay. and then there's Pax Rumble, okay. and they all are part of the Pax Wrestling Super Tour. But the problem is that I think Pax South is still trying to find its footing, and what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, do people care? Do people go to it? I mean, people go to it, right? But this year. In particular, it seemed like even fewer people went on the press side, on you know what I mean, on personality side, on developer side, right? Like it wasn't like you saw all the names you'd expect, like Pax East and Pax South or Pax Prime. Like I expect VR to be there. I don't know if PlayStation will have a booth. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how uh, PlayStation will handle it because they aren't usually known for, hey, we have this giant presence on the show floor, right? But I mean, developers will be there showing their mm-hmm. games, like you figure, and that's just because you have to go to those shows to be. If you're an indie up and comer or whatever, like you know what I mean? Like if if PAX East doesn't have some kind of PlayStation VR presence, I'll be surprised. Again, I don't think that means PlayStation has a full blown booth on the floor where you come in and put it on your face. But then again, they did have, you know, rigs all to itself at PSX. And I don't understand why you don't take that booth on the road. Yeah. So maybe that gets put there, but I don't think it'll be one you can walk up and play everything on. Sure. Sit there, play E Valkyrie, sit there, play the job simulator game. Sure. Like, it'll be maybe based around rigs, based around something. And then you have a goofy little competitions or whatever. But Pack South is very fascinating. I'd love to know, and I'm sure if I wanted to dig around more, try to find out like what's the agreement there business wise? Have they said that they'll be in San Antonio for X amount of years at this one convention center? What I'd love to talk to Penny Arcade people to know what are the metrics of success for that? Like, you know what I mean? Do do they feel that is growing at an acceptable rate? Because I remember when they did PAX uh, South uh, year one or whatever, it was like they broke the record for the highest attended first day of a p- new PAX. But that's like doesn't count really, right? Because now that PAX is established, everybody wants to go to a PAX. I don't know. I'm fascinated to see if that show sticks around because I, yeah, I thought this year would mean even more than last year in terms of like acceptance. And the fact that the people who gave a shit last year for not going in terms of personality, friends and stuff didn't even go this year. I was like, mm, that's pretty indicative of what you have down there. Sure. So we'll see. Colin. Yes. Glorious G123 wrote into kindoffunny.com slash PSQ just like you can and says, Hey, Greg, Colin may weigh in on this if he chooses. What game really defines you as a gamer? What I mean by that is what specific game or genre really speaks to you as a gamer and defines who you are and how you play. Thanks and I love you guys. P.S. I love you guys. And then he puts in parentheses, which I don't agree with one at all. In parentheses, especially Kevin Coelho. Involve him more often because he is really hilarious a podcast with him as the host would be amazing in parentheses no not 100 percent. no kevin qual has got a lot of attitude problems we keep really on this show we keep him out of this show for a reason um so i want you to weigh in but i know i already know you're gonna say you can't be put in a box so it doesn't work but in terms of what game defines you as a gamer i think for me it's metal gear solid playstation one and i always talk about the fact that that was like you know such a turning point for me but it's like it, when I get excited for third-person action games, right, that are like a movie, and I'm playing, a, it's got a really cool story, and I'm doing all these different things, and I don't know what the twist is going to be. Like, if I had to boil it down to what, I, when people always ask us, you know, what's your favorite game? I always say, you know, third-person action, right? Because that's what I want out of it. When I say that, that's the kind of game I mean. So what defines me as a gamer, I assume, is that, because that's the game that gets me the most excited, to sit down and play Lara Croft, Uncharted, an Assassin's Creed, right? Let's get in, get into this world, find out who this character is, and go forward. 
Yeah, I think uh, I, I don't know what game would define me, but I, I do think the genre that most defines my sense my sensibilities is the side scroller and the the um, which I still think is maybe the most perfect of all genres and the way games really really should be played at its fundamental core. Video games like this is this was it's never gotten any better than that. Um, and I think it's just a genre I understand really well and uh, I understand how it works and I understand what feels right and what doesn't and it's not to say every game should feel the same Mario doesn't feel like Mega Man doesn't feel like Ninja Gaiden doesn't feel like Castlevania doesn't feel like Contra um, but doesn't feel like Codename Viper I mean doesn't feel like Strider doesn't like these but I can pick up a game and in two seconds tell you if it's right or not just based on the game itself how does it feel what are the enemies doing what are the the obstacles um it's it's shockingly hard for developers to make like competent, competent you know side scrollers, um, considering it's so straightforward. Not that I would be able to do any better, but it's just to show that there's a lot more nuance in the genre than I think people give it credit for. It's got to um, feel right, right? Yeah, that's how we got to feel. And like these are games that I like can dominate because I know how to play them and um and grew up playing them. And I think this is a genre that is uh, a little old hat to newer gamers and younger gamers that don't really understand the genre. Um, similar to that, I don't play adventure games or something, so I don't really understand them. So there's nothing wrong with that. And it's not the only genre I like to play. I love first-person shooters and and third-person shooters and third-person action games sure, but and the one strategy role-playing games, and JRPGs. Yeah, but like, yeah, that's the one that speaks to me. Like, if if someone was like, you can only play one genre for the rest of your life, or like one perspective, I'd be like, those side scrollers. You know, it's got to be definitely. Colin, yes, I think you're gonna enjoy this question. It's from Lazy Face. Lazy face wrote in to kind of funny.com slash PSQ just like you can. It says, Hey guys, loving the show. Nice. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Enjoy the weekly juicy PlayStation morsels, which we all eat in order together. I'm a writer over at Unseen 64 and just wanted to say thanks for the quick shout out this week in regards to the Saints Row undercover game. We love what you we love what we do and we want to bring as much information on canceled games as we can to the wider Please community. Please do. Yeah, you're always you guys do great work. Unseen 64 is awesome. Great not work. checking that out. Everybody should do that. We are even finishing up a book that will be out late this year, hopefully with loads of information not found on our site. Finally, to my question. I know it isn't PlayStation-centric, but it is the only podcast of yours I listen to. Then in parentheses, I know. I am sorry. Do you guys think that there is enough done in the gaming world to preserve games from the past and present? Or do you think that too many games are just thrown out into the pile and forgotten? How important do you think it is that not just the developers and publishers, but we, as the larger gaming community, preserve this data so that we can look back in years to come and look at the past mistakes. P.S. I love the show and you and gaming. Lazy face. Do you think enough is being done? Colin? No, definitely not. Um, How do we fix that? I don't know. It's good. Like people are trying. Yeah. Um, you know, the Library of Congress has gotten kind of involved a little bit. And and there's the one the, over in Oakland. Do you remember this name? It just reopened. The Video Game Museum or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah like that. Up. At, like a lot of the, the problem is that it's unorganized and loose, like the way game, you know, ROMs and all this kind of stuff. And this is like why I have no problem with old ROMs just existing of games because mm -hmm. this is really the only way a lot of these games might exist in the future, especially as hardware starts to fail. You're not going to see this problem with Atari 2600 or Coleco or NES or SNES, but once you start getting into really like significant moving parts inside like a PS1 or PS2, these games might become unplayable unless they're available digitally and they're, you know, there's going to have publishing gatekeepers and stakeholder gatekeepers that are going to keep you away from these games. Um, and there's people out there doing really great work trying to preserve as much of this as possible, but I do not think... Um, that enough is being done and there are straight up games that have been lost to history. Sure. Um, so um, going all the way back to the 50s and 60s with 
mainframe computer games um, like Space War and stuff like that, where like there are iterations of these dice rolling games that are gone. And that's it's not like we want to play these games anymore. They're terrible. They would they would you know, there was no screen like you would interact with like buttons and then it would give you like ticker tape like answers and stuff like that. You know, it was it was a lot of these games are very rudimentary. Um, back in the day, you know, the first digital display game was uh, or just the first display game was Tennis for Two created on Long Island. Uh, the island they in call 1959 it. but really games didn't start to have a screen as something that you would expect until you got around to um, Pong and then you know and then Coleco Atari Fairchild and all that kind of stuff so um, so it's there are these even older games that we don't even think about that are really important to the mentality of how we developed games and where games came from um, I always talk about how Japanese role-playing games were heavily inspired by Western role-playing games which were heavily inspired by D&D and a lot of that kind of stuff was um, inspired in a way by these early mainframe computers that were all about statistics. Mm. Um, so it's sad that people don't people video games especially are so look forward, look forward, look forward. You yourself say old game is old, and that sucks because I know you don't mean it in that way. Yeah, I don't mean it that. But way. Like, my context, but, of course, is that I don't want to play an old game that I've already played. Right, exactly. But like, we have to have a mentality that games, good, bad, or indifferent, need to be preserved because they are. Um, they are freeze frames of time, mm-hmm. um, of game development, of game design theory, of what people worked on before and what people work on after. There are fucking awful games that I still have in my NES collection, like Deadly Towers or Athena, because those games suck. I mean, those games are terrible fucking games for their time, and they're even worse now. Um, but they have the right to exist and to be preserved so that someone can go back and play them again. Um, I think what we need to do is have a library of Congress like ISBN or whatever system. I think that's what's called IBSN or whatever. Like where like everything should be given a number and like we every copy of every game should go somewhere where it should be held, um, you know, for safekeeping mm-hmm. from away from the prying eyes of publishers and away from the prying eyes of the ebbs and flows of digital downloads and steam and all these kinds of things where games can just disappear forever. I mean, look what happened with PT. It's a great example. Like PT, I'm sure is 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 exists somewhere with Konami. I don't think it's just been a fucking <laughs> they, they eradicated it from everywhere. But wasn't it sad to see that that game just disappeared? And like, what are people supposed to do? And and in 20 years, when we refer to PT, are we gonna have any option other than some crazy person keeping it on their PS4 all those years or YouTube videos to have played it or seen it? So that's why I like Unseen 64 so much is because it's a great website because these guys really understand gaming history. And one of the most fascinating things about gaming history are the games that never come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are games that are so far along. We've played some of them that have never. We've played games that have never seen the light of day ever, that were well on their way. Sometimes you see early prototypes, or whatever. But that's not. It's not uncommon in, in the in the industry to have games that are canceled and stuff. So these guys are doing God's work, and that's why. Rest I in peace, Warriors Lair. Warriors Lair is a great example. So this is why Mega Man Universe is another great example. That yeah. game was basically done. Yeah, it was. We heard. Um. So. This is what. We we don't want to go a hundred years from now. We, none of us will be here, but we don't want to be in, uh, you know our gr- great grandchildren a hundred years being like, well, they're still going to play video games in some capacity. Are they going to have some sort of touchstone to back to tennis for two or back to the mainframe games or back to pong? That's relevant and that matters. It's quaint, but it, it, it does matter. Do you think what I mean? What's the role of YouTube and Let's Plays and all of this? Right? Is that good enough? I mean, because you it's going to have to be. We're in this weird thing, right? Where if I wanted to, I mean, you can read books, I guess, on the history of movie and film and cinema, right? And go back and not have to go watch these ones, but you don't get the exact thing. But in what the the in the very specific way we're talking about things right now, right? Of like, this begot that, begot that. You know what I mean? Or begets this. Like, if we just were to read a book and you read about what 
Jack and Daxter meant for Naughty Dog's history, or you know, but in this case, you're watching someone tell you about it while they're playing it. You know what I mean? Is that good enough? It's not good. It's not good enough. It's just it is what it, it is what it is it's because like we can still I can still go to the library and buy a book from the 14th or 15th century. I want to. I might not be able to read it because the Middle English is so weird. But like, yeah. you know. You can go watch Gone with the Wind or Citizen Kane or something like that if you want to. Like, so it's is it the same to read about Gone with the Wind or is it the same to see it? Mm-hmm. You know, is it the same to um, to read Mark Twain, uh, Huckleberry Finn, or is it should you read Mark Mark? You know, read about it or read it itself. And you have those options. Those options are readily available. It's very easy. In fact, the ironic thing about old books is is that you know copyrights are up and like these some of these books are free. Like old the ironic thing is old books are free <laughs> uh, if you have like digital means to download them because like no one controls you know the ip anymore and uh the same thing will eventually happen to film or whatever but with games being so fragmented and i don't know it's just i love gaming history so much it's important for me like i wish you know tennis for two doesn't exist anymore because they broke the oscilloscope down to use it for parts they didn't have the foresight of how important this thing was because it really wasn't until the 70s it wasn't until like, two decades later that you even saw another game like that but there were people um that in the 50s I understood that and wouldn't it be cool if someone just had the foresight to be like we should probably take your oscilloscope game and maybe put it somewhere instead of breaking it it down because that doesn't even exist in the original form and you can remake it but it's not the same it's yeah it's 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 and that's sad that sucks that's the first video game and we don't even have it you know yeah I'm not saying we have the first book but we know that Gutenberg was you know printing Bibles and we do have Gutenberg Bibles and stuff like that and that's maybe the, the best thing we have we have these old papyrus you know uh, sheets and these old these old kind of handwritten books and stuff like that we don't even have the equivalent of that in games that kind of sucks yeah the made.org is what i was thinking of the video game museum over in oakland they just did a reopening so hit it up if you have time uh piggybacking off of that in this nostalgia trip and whatnot wet dirt 28 went over to kind of funny.com slash psq and left his question just like you can it says hey guys I was just wondering what video game endings left an impact on you. The ones that immediately jump to my mind are the hospital scene and subsequent ending from The Last of Us, the final shot of Batman and Joker in Arkham City, and the mind fuckery that is the last 15 minutes of Bioshock Infinite. Or it could even be an ending that left a sour taste in your mouth, like Halo 5 recently left me with. Thanks for everything. P.S. I less than three you. What jumps to mind for endings for you? I think Last of Us is a good example, but that's I always my whole thing with this, I never like sticking super close right because obviously last of us gone home shit i've talked about a million times um i had to google it because i always forget the name shadow of destiny on playstation 2 you ever play this game it got re-released i believe on ps3 as a digital download or whatever eventually not remade but just you know digital download remake uh whatever and uh it it stuck with me because it's the first time and i'm it's not it can't be the first time first time but it's the first time i really remember being fucking compelled to do every one of the game's got like I, I remember as a kid playing on a kid playing on PS2. I remember being a young teen uh, playing on a PS2 or whatever and remembering I thought that the game had like 17 endings, but it probably had like five or seven or something like that. But I remember I would go back and replay that game to get the endings and not read about them. Just read like what I'm doing wrong or how to make myself get to that ending because for some reason it clicked so much with me. And I, I tried to replay it when it was re-released. And it's not, it doesn't strike me as a good game. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. It's clunky and weird. And you got to stop yourself from being stabbed in the back at one point by using a frying pan. It's one of those, you know, you're jumping in the timeline kind of thing. But the end, there's all these different endings to it, right? Like that some throw you way into the past or you learn your true history, all this other stuff. But there's one where you go through this entire game, this entire crazy journey to get to this point or whatever, and you're done and it's all over. And you basically, 
lie down in the cobblestone like outside of this uh, fountain if I remember correctly but definitely lie down like the street or whatever and you like put your hand you're looking at the stars and you're like basically reflecting on how fucking crazy this was and you can't believe you did it you know you've gotten to the end you know what's happening and these drunk people in a car come by and run you over and kill you and I remember being like what the fuck you know what I mean like it was so weird that the endings were so to me at the time so different and so jarring and so they left you in so many different places, but told you so much more about the characters you went, not the one you got killed by drunk drivers, not too much information revealed there about your personal, mm. but going away in the back and this and what your relationship truly was to this girl and stuff like that was one I was like, fuck, I want more games like this. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the last of us does pop out to me. Uh, the Metal Gear games pop out to me, but like, but the but uh, what I find is that like we overemphasize the the role of the ending in a game. Like, sure, I think that more like more not only more often than not, I think like nine out of ten times, maybe nineteen out of twenty times, the ending sucks. And like, it's not why I beat games. You know, I beat games to beat them. And then you get the little cat, the end cap of it. But like, not I'm never I'm rarely ever watching an ending. Be like, huh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, like usually it's like, all right, like. That was fine. I feel, I feel like it's, you know, what we're talking about a little bit with uh, Nick in here about the third act of a suspense film, right? Or suspense anything. And it was particular about the Firewatch thing we were talking. I feel that happens with games all the time, too. Like, for me, like, I thought Bioshock Infinite's ending was, like, trying to do too much. You know what I mean? I feel like that happens a lot, too, where you have this giant story and you don't know what it's about. And then all of a sudden, it just tries to cram it all into what's happening at the end. And you're like, what the fuck is even going on? Yeah, right? I, yeah I think that... Spec Ops, for every Spec Ops The Line, which had a great ending, yeah. Um, or for every um, Metal Gear Solid or Metal Gear Solid 2, which I think both had great endings. Metal too. Gear Solid 1 is, uh, sorry, real quick aside, is one of those, I remember sitting there and watching those credits roll and the polar bears are going, and I was just like, what, this was awesome. But for every one of those, there yeah. are literally 50 games with throwaway endings. And so, like, I don't, like, it's so funny, we've never, I I think they're so inconsequential that, that we never talk about them. I've never even thought about them in terms of, like... You think about your favorite game, your favorite moment, your favorite character, whatever, your favorite mechanic. But like, I never even really sat down and been like, what is my favorite ending? I Back in the day, I used to be games just to say I beat them. Yeah. You know, like and I'm saying way back in the day, I remember my brother had like this, these like stapled together loose leaf papers that were like all the games he beat. That's cool. As he beat them like over years. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, we're not beating them to see these like shitty NES and SNES endings. We're beating them because it's fun to beat them. Yeah. You feel like you completed something. You yeah. finished the book kind of thing. Yeah. You close it and you're done with it. So will there be more attention paid to the endings? Sure. I mean, think about the ending to even gone home or something like that. The, the journey was like, sure. Way better than the, I ending. mean, it's funny. He brings up, you know, the ending of Arkham city is what he's talking about there. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I thought that was an awesome ending. Right. But asylum, like you, know, this weird boss fight that seems out of character. Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, whatever. You know what I mean? Like it was, a, but up and I mean like that doesn't take away from how amazing Arkham asylum was, right? Like this sure. fucking fantastic game. Next question. Colin comes from famous custard. He or she says, I feel like it's time for Naughty Dog to try something radically different in their next game. They've clearly mastered the linear third-person action-adventure game, and while I'd be happy to keep getting these, I'd like to see what Naughty Dog could do with their talent in another genre. I'm hoping for an open-world RPG Last of Us 2 starring a grown-up Ellie. What genre would you like to see them take on next? FPS? Walking Simulator? MOBA? P.S. As a listener for five years, you guys are killing it more than ever. Thanks for all you do. Thank you. Famous Custard. Maybe a girl, maybe a guy. I don't know. I don't know if I want to see them go away. No, me neither. But then, I, but so here, here, follow me down this rabbit hole of thinking. Neither of us want to see them deviate from that, right? At what point do they need to keep doing that for you to come at them like a Telltale or TT Games? Where okay, you're just doing the exact same thing again, but with a different character IP. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. This isn't an attack. I'm. I'm no, I, I know it's not an attack, but. 
because they've I'm, released four games in ten years. Yeah, yeah. So it's like Telltale Games releases four games in a month. <laughs> yeah. So it's like so I I don't I don't know that they necessarily need to change, and I think that we would be disappointed. We better be very careful what we ask them to do because. There, there's multiple ways to look at it. It's like the pedigree of the studio right now is third person linear action games and, mm-hmm. and uh, linear shooters. Um, and they're good at that. And so if you're good at it, like you can do that a million different ways. There are a fucking shit ton of third person shooters in the world. They are very different from each other and they're good for a lot of them are good for different reasons. Um, they're 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 heavy in a narrative. But but while they used to do back in the day role playing games and stuff like that, and then they really did um, starting with Crash, more platformers and character mascot games. And now they do these third person linear kind of story games. Well, they move on again, maybe, but like that's their bread and butter. And this is when they became big. You know, Crash Bandicoot made Crash Bandicoot big. Crash Bandicoot didn't really make Naughty Dog big. It wasn't big. like a household. And Jack and Daxter definitely didn't make Naughty Dog big. And Jack and Daxter was never that big. It was Uncharted that made Naughty Dog big. And it was The Last of Us that made that made people really respect them. And so you have to be very careful with uh, with what you do. You don't want to trifle too much with with like a good formula there. That said, we I mean we've talked to many people at different studios where like they need to refresh themselves and look do at her things. And yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was Gorilla doing a first person shooter over and over again. Now they're doing a third person, you know, role playing game, but I'm not cons- I'm not, I'm not convinced they're not doing a shooter. Sure. And so like um like I'm I'm fairly certain Killzone is in development. You know, so it's it's not like uh maybe they're all hands on deck now, but I don't think they're going to walk away from a Killzone game again. Um that's the spirit of the studio. And think about how alienating it would be to a lot of people at Gorilla to be like, well, a lot of these guys want to work on Killzone. I'm sure that they like Killzone. I mean, you don't make games you don't like. I mean, and so like yeah. for them, and so for them to be like, well, we, you know, some of these guys have been there for ten years, and we make Killzone now. We're making Horizon. We're just totally a different studio now. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Their DNA hasn't changed. <laughs> you know, like it's fun to experiment and try something different, but you also want to stay true to yourself. Um, Sucker Punch makes third person action games, and I. Dollars to donuts, bet you that their next game is gonna be a third-person action game. Yeah, you know? and because uh, that's how they what, what they know how to make. Um, so, what do you think the difference is then when you're talking about Gorilla making this change, but not the other guys? I think it was. Um, I think Killzone had ran its course, and I don't think it's the shooter formula that ran its course. I think it's Killzone, mm-hmm. and I think it would be weird for them to make another shooter. You know, like a, like Uncharted's always been popular, and it's going to continue to be popular well after it's done. And the Last of Us is popular. Like, are you going to get a th- an action or an open world RPG Last of Us two? No, you're going to get exactly what Last of Us was, with a different setting and a different, you know, maybe some deeper mechanics and stuff like that. But you're not going to get a role playing game out of them. You know, I just don't think that that's a, a smart use of their time, and that's not what the Last of Us is. Yeah, we have to talk about that with Final Fantasy, like making it, taking it from a really a turn based fundamental JRPG to a MMO, just keeping a name. Maybe in losing sight of what that name means and what why people connect with that name. Sure. That said, it's a thought provoking question because it's it it, it does it does beg the question of the DNA of the studio can change. It will change. People come and go. And and, you know, the people that made Crash Bandicoot, there's only a few of them left, you know, and Jack and Daxter's only a few of them left, too. So they clearly segued over. And then when the guys that make Uncharted eventually leave, I mean, yeah, well, there'll be a group of people that will be like, we want to make a first person shooter now. And, And is that a good use of their time? And can they do that? Yeah, sure. But I just don't if it was up to me, I wouldn't want them to change anything. Yeah, I agree. Final question, Colin. It comes from Pascal One. He or she says hi. Well, he signs it Pascal from Northern Montreal. Pascal from Northern Montreal. I'm assuming it's a he. Hi, guys. 
I often hear you guys say that everyone should buy digital games, and you don't understand why people still go to GameStop or any other store to buy physical copies. But as far as I'm concerned, it just doesn't make sense to to only buy digital. I always buy my games new, in a store or online, but with the fact that I can sell my physical copies, I always get a return on my money so that the next game doesn't cost me the full price like it would on the PlayStation Store. I know, it sounds like I'm stuck in 2003 or something, but until digital games are cheaper than their physical counterparts, I don't understand why people buy digital and pay the same as retail. If I can get 20 30 or even $40 back on my $70 or $80 in tax with Canada, I will take it any day of the week, which I can't do with my digital game. What are your thoughts on selling and trading games in 2016 and on the fact that we are still paying the same price digital as physical. Keep up the great work. You guys are awesome. Pascal, all the way up in Montreal. We've talked about it a lot. I, I can't wait for the day when digital is cheaper. Then it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But right now, to keep the hardware on the shelves and keep people able to go in and buy this stuff, you play nice with GameStop, Walmart, all these other carriers, right? These physical stores. Um, I don't know if we've ever said... Everyone needs to buy digital. We understand bandwidth problems, as we talked about earlier in this episode and everything else. Which we have a lot of in the U.S. Right, exactly. Not so much, yeah, bandwidth, and it just, just we have infrastructure problems here. As a big sure. Country. So I'm not saying, I, I understand the reasons why people do. I think I often, when I'm in a store, I'm like, oh, why would anyone come in? Why? And that's, but that's not, everyone. I, when I'm in a GameStop and it's fucking a baby screaming over here and I can't, I got to talk to somebody to get the game that I want and all this other stuff and da, da, da. Do you want to buy the magazine? No, I don't want to buy the fucking magazine. Like, that's the experience I'm talking about. I, I, that's more of a, as somebody who buys fucking toilet paper and paper towels off of Amazon, why doesn't everybody just use Amazon? Why doesn't everybody just order online in a world like that's connected to your phone at all points? You know what I mean? Because now it is you're out on the street and you remember something and you can just click, click and it's done and it's going to be there yep. in two days or whatever. Um, so that, that makes sense. And also, I mean, we always talk about it in this weird way of like, I, you know, I, we, I feel like myself, I can speak for myself that I'm all, I feel like I get on the soapbox a lot of don't buy used, buy new, you do this, you know, let's support developers and all that stuff. But I remember being in college and I remember being even younger than that. And all right, I'm going to go in and I had the Funko sheets and this is how much I can get for these games and I'll go in and I'll trade them in and then I'll be able to buy this next game because of that. I understand the economics of all of it. It's just that we get to speak from being an adult now. You know what I mean? And actually having money and having a job where I do, when I do buy a game, I do buy a digital and I do try, I buy new, obviously. But it's the fact of that, you know, for me, digital works. For me, I don't want clutter. The house is too small. I don't want all these games around here. I'd rather have them all there ready to go. Yeah, I don't disagree. It's not a hill worth dying on for me. Like, it's like, um, this is going to happen. I mean, whether or not you want it to happen, it's going to happen. So it's just a matter of, you know, because some people really are like, oh, well, digital games will never, you know, will never take over. Retail games will never go away. I'm like, no, they're going away. So it's I mean, a matter. I remember it's, when you it's, could it's, buy PC games in stores. Right. And so you can still buy, you know, very limited amounts now. So it's a, it's a it matter of like, it's going to happen. Like the market, the, the market will take care of this. Um, it already is. Um, we, you know, not too long ago talked about like the increase in digital sales that a lot of publishers are, are, are experiencing and witnessing. Um, it's not a plurality of games sold, but it's, it's, uh, getting there. And, um, so I have no problem with like, ultimately it's your game to buy or sell. Like it's your car to buy or sell. I don't really care what you do. It's just, there are ramifications for doing what you do in terms of the developers and stuff like that. But I I agree. I've sold, I've bought and, and sold used games in the past. I just haven't done that as an adult. Um, not because I have some sort of moral obligation not to, but because yeah, like I have money as an adult and I don't need to, you know, pinch pennies that tightly anymore. Mm -hmm. But I understand and respect that there are people that do. And uh, that's your prerogative to do that. 
but ultimately it's uh the the the, the digital the digital future is real it's yeah. going to happen and um the pricing situation is just that it's just it's a it's a catch-22 for the for for um for specific companies to not be able to do that so um yeah i hope i hope that uh people find a nice middle ground now between you know what they have to do with retail and what they have to do with digital but i would also just start getting used to the fact that you know the, these consoles have disk drives i'm not so sure the next ones will mm-hmm. you know we can hope but there was a lot of conjecture. everyone should buy digital. There was a lot of conjecture that PS4 and Xbox One would have solid state, be solid state too. Well, it works so well for the PSP go. But it's just that we're not there yet. But in ten, like internet infrastructure in ten years should be fine. I mean, at that point, we might even all be connected wirelessly with like my friend always talks about five G. Like, like, what yep. does that look like? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And like, do we always even need? It? Yeah, like, right. do we need landlines. even landlines? Yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome. Awesome. Okay, so okay, so don't even say it. Awesome. Ah, Colin, time for the segment we call PS. I love this best friend XOXO. It's when one of you heads over to kindoffunny.com slash forums, goes to the PS. I love you XOXO board and posts your PSN name because you want to play with cool people and get cool messages from you. Other cool best friends out there. <gasps> this one comes from the PSN name. I dream of August. All one word. I dream of August. He or she writes. I don't have many friends who are gamers, so I could use new friends in the PSN. I'll be playing UFC 2, The Division, and Uncharted 4. I'm currently playing Helldivers, Lego Marvel Avengers, and Metal Gear Solid 5. He also used the, the kind of funny forums uh, emoticon of Colin doing this where he points at the screen. I like that one. Yeah, That's a cute one. Yeah, I great. miss you. You don't smile enough. No. Why, why aren't you smiling today? What happened? You, I'm just really tired. I'm, fi- I'm in a fine mood, but I'm just, just very tired. I had a long weekend. Very interesting weekend. We, a lot of things happened this weekend. Yeah. We can't talk about Saturday at all, but one day it we'll was. It was a very to. interesting weekend. <sighs> so everybody, go message or friend. I dream of August. Tell him, P.S. I love this best friend, XOXO. Uh, time for this week's forgotten PlayStation game. It's my turn, and I'm picking Age of Booty. Mm. You might remember Age yeah. of Booty, originally called Plunder. I thought a better name. I don't right. remember why they had to change it to Age of Booty. But uh, probably copyright. It's a strategy game with little pirate ships, and you went around and you fought each other, and it was on the hexagonal grid or whatever, and it was fucking dope. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. PlayStation 3, Capcom. Xbox. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I imagine it's still out there, available to get on both of those platforms. Uh, <laughs> fun times. Like, you know what I mean? It was one of those r- rare ones where I saw it at a preview, event and I was like, this seems awesome. And then it came out, and it was still awesome, and played it all the time. But little ship to ship combat, go around, get people. Very cool. Yeah, fun strategy game. Simple enough to get into. I'm, I'm not, you know. Other than Valkyrie, I'm not. I'm no strategy master. I'm just like the rest of you. I think you'll enjoy it, Colin. Yes, that's another episode of PS. I love you, XOXO in the books. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us yes, and watching. Of course, remember, PS. I love you, XOXO is kindoffunny.com's PlayStation podcast. So head over there to keep the mics on. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Maybe resubscribe to us on if you're not seeing the show for some reason. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter. Do all that junk because it's cool and we're the number one PlayStation podcast and it keeps that uh, available to be said. Remember also for housekeeping stuff, if you're still watching this on Tuesday, February 9th before 12.30 p.m. PT, go to kindoffunny.com slash t-shirt Tuesday to get your Baker's Dozens shirt and also head over to kindoffunny.com S-X-S-W to vote for me so we can go and shove it back in PewDiePie's face and say, PewDiePie, you're a really nice person and we really appreciate you and want you on the show's but we're excited that we won this award when you have a gajillion subs and a TV show and you were on South Park and you have another show. He's got a lot of shows. Mm.
Every episode of PS I Love You XOXO ends in a song in a segment we call Singing a Shoe Hey. Remember, if you're some kind of crazy ass musician with your fucking pipes and guitars and sitars and everything else, go to kindoffunny.com slash PSM, the M's for music. Submit your song. Put a SoundCloud link in. Put a YouTube link in. I need I need to be able to download the MP3 to put at the end of our MP3. And then on YouTube, I need a YouTube link to annotate out to so people can come watch your lovely music video. This one comes from Sean Thomas. Sean Thomas writes, Hey, Colin and Greg. My friends recently put me on to Kind of Funny, and you dudes have reignited my interest in video gaming. I'm a rapper from Boston, and I saw last night that Tim Geddes likes cunning linguists. So I figured... This might be up his alley, and hopefully yours. You can download the track right here on SoundCloud. His SoundCloud, of course, is soundcloud.com slash Thomas. I'm going to spell all this because you can spell this stuff weird. X-S-H-A-W-N-T-H-O-M-A-S. Thomas on SoundCloud. You can download the track right there on SoundCloud, and I made a silly music video for it, too, if you're more into visuals and a gross thumbnail. Thank you so much. Excited for year two, Sean Thomas. Now, here's my one complaint. We all, it's, we're 22 episodes in. People come and go. Great. They're, they're learning. I'm glad Sean's joined us now. He did the right thing. YouTube link, SoundCloud link. Didn't put the title of the track in, the email, in his message post. Everybody has to remember that when I'm looking at it, I'm just seeing words. So I need all the words you want me to say. Mm. You understand? Also, all I don't words. think he didn't, have, he didn't originally put in the, the SoundCloud link. He just said on the SoundCloud below and then it embeds, which looks pretty, but doesn't help me here when we're talking about sure. it now. So everybody from this moment forward, do this. Remember, don't send in your friends' music. Send in the music you made. Okay? So until next time, this is Sean Thomas with whatever the hell this song's called. It's been our pleasure to serve.
never hear my music on the radio The shit, just a year ago I had to pay to play a show And now promoters call my phone Crazy how much things have changed ever since I left home Take a breath, man, you just gotta take a breath Always stress about some shit, man, you just gotta take a sec And slow down for a minute Slow down for a minute Take a breath, man, you just gotta take a breath Always stress about some shit, man, you just gotta take a sec a minute.